All right, you're very welcome along to The Snap. It's our weekly American football show, and it's the final one of the NFL season because it's Super Bowl weekend. Roland is here with us in studio. How are you? All good. Pumped, here. Excited? This is the greatest sporting weekend of the year. It is, actually. There's loads of great sport happening, uh, irrespective of what type of sport you yeah. like. And it starts early, and it finishes very late on Monday morning. Let's go to Miami. Uh, our, our man in Miami is Kian Fai. Kian, how the hell are you? I'm all right. How's it going back in Ireland? I'm uh, right in the middle of South Beach here in Miami, which feels a little bit like Las Vegas at this point. Right. Uh, obviously, the uh, the quality of the Wi-Fi doesn't stretch to us being able to see the pictures. Uh, obviously, or either that, or you're like, you know, you don't really want to show us the pool party that you're at at the moment <laughs> to rub it in too much. Uh, well, no, I was meant to go to a Snoop Dogg and Saquon Barkley party last night, but I did not feel like going to that and trying to wake up for this at 8 a.m. So I probably should have gone to there and reported back, but in the end, I skipped it and was responsible. Are you serious? Is that you turned down the chance to go? Yeah. To ah, come on, Kian. That's you. Like, I, uh, somebody uh, look, has I'll, trained I'll you wrong. You got to go to that and then come here, still <laughs> up, tired and emotional, and tell us what's going on with like uh, the video well, to support. Well, the thing is, it actually, it was on at like seven o'clock and he turned up for half an hour and uh, like sang from behind the booth and then just left. So it was one of those things where he was paid to go and just did the bare minimum and then left. So I probably could have gone to it, but I wouldn't miss anything. Yeah, fair enough. Um, The coverage that I've been listening to from Miami says that in the city, the the cognoscenti of uh, American football have come together and they've decided that this is all one-way traffic and they're they're all generally starting to trend towards picking the 49ers, which obviously means that the Kansas City Chiefs are going to win. Are you experiencing that on the ground? I have noticed that quite a bit, actually, but I'm also noticing that there are far more 49ers fans here than Chiefs fans, which might be just the reason people are playing to the crowd here a little bit. The like the actual um, setup here is the city itself is a little bit separate from the actual beach. So on the beach is where all the TV shows are, where they've got these big setup, these big kind of, um, I guess, they're like circus tents, basically, where each TV show has their own tent. So if you're if you literally walk down the beach, start at the top of Ocean Drive and walk to the bottom, you're just getting hit with strong take after strong take from different opinion after different opinion from the likes of Colin Cowherd and whoever's on ESPN at the, at the moment. So you're, you're hearing a lot of opinions from everyone, but it does generally feel like uh, the 49ers are being a little, that little bit more favoured the closer we get to the game. Yeah, what else are you seeing in Miami that um, you know isn't showing up on the TV? Is it uh, does does all of American football come to celebrate this game? Like, it seems like it's unbelievably corporate, and with that players from the next draft class for example I heard um, Joey Bosa and Nick Bosa's dad interviewed they were there last year trying to like you know pump Nick up and tell everybody he's going to be the next um, you know rookie of the year for example and uh, no one would should ever uh, pass on picking him is that type of thing happening like you're also seeing ex um, superstars the Hall of Famers wandering around I presume yeah, you're pretty much seeing everyone. Like the, the this, it's it's a the setup is that the convention center is very close to where all the hotels are for all the people who who are here. So if you're in a specific area, you're going to see all kinds of different people, no matter what, no matter where you are. Uh, like it's it's a very weird thing because you get people like uh, Stephen Jackson's here. Who not when I was told Stephen Jackson is here, I thought Los Angeles Rams or St. Louis Rams running back. But actually, it was Stephen Jackson, the NBA player. And I have no idea why he's here, but he's here doing interviews on Radio Row. And then you've got Martellus Bennett, 
is here doing uh, promoting and selling his children's book and doing signings for that. So it's it's really like the game is a little bit of a, a secondary aspect at this point, which makes sense because you've got two weeks of coverage to to fill before you get to the actual game. And at this point, the players and the coaches are. Uh, set up in their own hotels and, and doing training camp, or no training camp, but mini training camp, I guess, preparing for the actual game. And they're uh, they're actually quite far away. So the the Chiefs are downtown in their hotel, I think, and the 49ers are very close to the actual stadium, which is kind of to the north at west, which is the complete opposite to where the convention center, which is southeast. So they're, they're every the actual players and stuff you're obviously not going to see. You will see a lot of um, like Hall of Fame players and retired players. Current players, not so much. I've seen uh, the two Griffins from the Seahawks. They were here. Uh, uh, Jason Witten is here. Whether he's a current or former player at this stage, I'm not sure. But funnily enough, he was on Fox, considering he's an ESPN guy, I believe. So you, you can see pretty much anyone here. Yeah, um, and is the city aware that the Super Bowl is on? That's the other kind of thing that you like a big event like this to take over a city, the city to open its doors and go, right, I am aware that this thing is happening, it's a big deal for us. Oh, sorry. Uh, no, I like the the way that it's been a weird week because of Kobe Bryant. Um, like a lot of the people I've talked to have been saying, you know, the first Sunday to Tuesday was really rough and not fun at all and a little bit emotional. But like for media people, they're all turning towards the Super Bowl and talking about the Super Bowl and listening and, and focusing on the Super Bowl now. But I think this is, probably is a week that's going to be remembered as a kind of solemn week that was kind of mixed feelings week because Kobe was such a big guy over here and such a big name over here that even the Super Bowl is getting uh, impacted by the coverage and or is getting impacted by that tragedy. But and the, the fact you throw his daughter into the mix as well, and that just is obviously a devastating thing, and it's a huge tragedy. So the actual city itself is kind of taken over by the Super Bowl. Like, there's signs everywhere as soon as you get off the airport. But as far as I've been told and as far as I know, it hasn't been completely the same as previous years. But the other thing about Miami is it's very much, like I said, like Vegas, like Times Square in New York, like uh, New Orleans, where... It, whether there's an event on, it doesn't really matter. This place is the same no matter what. It's kind of crazy no matter what. And the, bartend, the, the bartenders I, I was talking to the other night when I first arrived uh, were telling me that the only real difference for them is they can change and put on automatic chargers and push up all their prices. So it's not exactly a cheap journey here either. Right, so they are aware of uh, the <laughs> cash-making uh, opportunities. Let's talk yeah. a, li- a little bit about the game. Have your thoughts on the game changed, evolved, when you've uh, been working over the, the last week? Has, has there been a eureka moment where you understand a little bit about why one team is going to work against the other? Uh, no, like I've, I've written, I think four articles this week, and I've kind of my I haven't really gone back and forth in my pick, but I haven't got more confident than what I'm thinking. Like the the real thing to me is that the only major difference between these two teams is at the quarterback spot, and like J- Jimmy Garoppolo threw eight times in that uh, in the championship game. He also should have been intercepted on one of those throws, and he also had, did not like he had three more plays erased by penalty. But in the playoffs as a whole, he just has played really poorly, and I feel like. The focus has been on he didn't throw that much because he didn't have to, which is true, but he also has not played well. He did not play well in the Vikings game. He didn't play it well in the uh, championship game. And I think if, if they are going to win, it's not going to be in the same fashion, or actually, sorry, it does need to be in the same fashion as Nick Foles when he won his Super Bowl because he didn't play well throughout the playoffs either, but has had his best game of the postseason, probably his best game of that season uh, in the Super Bowl. And that was a, a game where the Eagles had a matchup advantage at every single spot where... You, you, the big surprise out of that game to me was how much the, the Patriots scored, not so much that the Eagles were able to move the ball easily with Nick Foles. I think my 
problem with kind of like in that game I picked the Eagles I was very confident in the Eagles and I remember we did a preview of it immediately before and you were kind of surprised I was that confident in the Eagles but in this game I'm not that confident in, in the pick because while I think the foreigners are the better team pretty much everywhere except for quarterback I think those improvements are slight like the offensive line in uh, San Francisco isn't greater individually but it's greater, greater as a collective it's greater as a run blocking unit whereas the Chiefs' uh, offensive line is better at pass blocking, probably. If you look at the receivers, the Chiefs' individual receivers are better, but once you talk about Kyle Shanahan and, and, and they're working in that scheme, the 49ers' wide receivers are kind of giving a bit of a, a bit of a tick up. Travis Kelsey, George Kittle, you can pick whoever you want there because I, I personally think Kelsey is better, but look at what Kittle can do in that offense. He's been phenomenal, so you can't really be like saying that the, the Chiefs have a big advantage there or the 49ers have a big advantage there. You can go through the whole team like that and point to little things. I think defensively, the 49ers are far better. Offensively, the Chiefs are probably a little bit better. And just when you come to this sport and the, the design of the sport at the moment, having the greater quarterback and the better offense is the safer pick to me. Just um, the eye test alone, and it has been punctured somewhat by the Kobe Bryant stuff, but the momentum post the championship games going into the Super Bowl was this is one of the most enticing matchups in recent years, probably since the Patriots against the Seahawks, just how the two teams match up and it's kind of evidenced by the line which is moving a little bit but it's kind of getting close to pick'em territory and maybe one of the only comparisons to last year is the age profile of the two coaches where you've got this Kyle Shannon's probably evolved a little bit beyond where Sean McVay was last year but this hot young thing going up against this uh, tried and tested coach and I just wonder how much of an influence the coaches are going to have this weekend given that the, the playmaking on both sides is quite similar. And on that, the Andy Reid has um, like oh, Andy Reid. When you t say Andy Reid, everyone thinks, "Oh, Andy Reid can't manage the clock, can't win the Super Bowl, run, move, ruins everything at the end of the game." But also, the other narrative of Andy Reid is incredibly good coming off of a bye. So if he's got two weeks now, it's not an actual bye, but because it's a two-week break, it's the exact same thing, really. He's got that opportunity to prepare for every single thing that Shanahan's going to throw at him. He's got that opportunity to prepare for all those running plays that work perfectly in the Packers game that aren't going to be as effective in this game. Steve Spagnuolo, for what we all said about him as a head coach, has always been a very, very good defensive coordinator. And he's also been the architect of those two Giants victories over the Patriots where he had two weeks to prepare for the best offenses. So coaching-wise, you kind of assume, hey, Kyle Shanahan has been probably coach of the year outside of John Harbaugh. Kyle Shanahan, in general, is a brilliant coach. And we overlook the fact that in that Super Bowl with the Falcons and the Patriots, Kyle Shanahan built that lead in the first half, even if it fell apart in the second half. He still had the ability to build that lead and game plan for that. So you're looking at two coaches here who, coming off of a two-week break, are incredibly good and incredibly impressive. And... Again, you like I start talking about this, and you talk about one coach, and it sounds like, oh, they very clearly have the advantage. And then you talk about the other coach, and you realize, yeah, these two guys are right next to each other again. So that's why this matchup is really perfect, because you can talk about any area of the team, and you're going to come away with this take of, hey, these two teams are really close. And I say that now, obviously one team is going to blow out the other. Um, do you think it's going to be a high-scoring game where both teams' offenses actually manage to score early and often? Yeah, well, I think I saw the over was 57.5, which is obviously crazy, huge number. And I would probably take the over on that. And I, it's the, the problem for the 49ers is they have specific weak spots on defense. And if you have specific weak spots on defense, Patrick Mahomes is going to find them. There is no answer for Patrick Mahomes. The, like, literally the only time the offense has been stopped throughout the playoffs is when his receivers have been dropping the ball. So if you're hoping and relying on the ball to be dropped 
to, for you to actually stop and contain the offense, you're definitely giving up points. The only, like, if you said to me one team doesn't score more than 20 points, I would say guaranteed it's the 49ers. Because if you can stop the actual run against the 49ers, which is a lot easier than it sounds, like you could say it, but it's a very, very difficult thing to do, you can probably contain that offense. Whereas, no matter what you do against the Chiefs, like Patrick Mahomes is going to get you points. They are going to score at least 30 points. I think this game ends with one team over 40 and one team over 30. And it's just a matter of which one it is and which one comes out on top and probably which one scores last. All right, Kian, great stuff. We'll let you go there. Uh, enjoy the game and enjoy the rest of your time on, uh, is it Miami Beach? Is it, what? it is Miami Beach. That's what it's called, yeah? Yeah, well, it's 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 like this long stretch. South of Beach? So I'm on... Yeah, so I'm on my I'm on North Beach at this stage. I was on South Beach uh, from Sunday to Wednesday, but it was literally like everyone who ever, who's ever gone to Las Vegas tells you only stay in Las Vegas for three days because after three days you're like sensory overload and you're just like you've lost the will to live. And South Beach is exactly like that. It's phenomenal, but it's also like I'll put it this way: I turned up, got off the airport, got off my flight, ten hour flight went to my hotel, went down to the bar, and it was like 10 o'clock on a Sunday, and I just wanted to get food before I went to bed. And the bartender started pointing out which women were working there. I don't mean behind the bar. And there were a lot of them. Right. We'll let you go on that now, Kian. Thanks very much. <laughs> uh, Kian Faye with us from uh, Miami and uh, having his eyes opened by the world. Um, I'm not one bit jealous. <laughs> um, oh, it's going to be an unbelievable occasion. Yeah. And... I, so I meant to bring this up. I think he was complaining about um, uh, how cliched it is to say that the Super Bowl should be in Miami and New Orleans all the time. But like cliches are cliches because they're true. Mm. And if um, if the Super Bowl was every year in Miami, New Orleans, maybe in the new stadium in uh, in Los Angeles, and is there somewhere else that's hot? Well, Las Vegas as well. Vegas, around. Vegas, Arizona, maybe. Yeah. Um, well, like the one time they tried to do it in New York. Uh, there was very real threat that it was going to be snowed off, so they they learned their lesson the hard way there. But um, no, it's just this is such a great game, and it's personality driven as well. Like we know how much the NFL like to build on the old franchise thing, but there's so many players in this game that are have interesting stories, and like even the, the two tight ends, Kelsey and Kittle, have transcended the helmet, and people are they're recognisable figures in a way that maybe players in those positions wouldn't have been in previous years. And even Tyron Matthew, who like you could literally pick any player on yeah. either team, but this guy is so interesting that um, two ACLs or three ACLs he's yeah. come back from. Incredible. And Troy Palomalo, there's a little bit of a debate around him at the moment about whether he's a Hall of Fame candidate because he's a bit of a boom or bust player where he'd do some remarkable things, but then he might jump on the wrong route and like expose the team entirely. There was a little bit about that with Matthew. Like he kind of he plays a little bit bigger than his frame would suggest, if, if you know what I mean. And, but what the Chiefs have done with him is they've got him up, up to the line and it just means his energy is sort of plays into the team. It's like As much as he's an impactful player, I don't want to come across that he doesn't affect the play, but it's more what he brings to the line itself and kind of gets involved more when he's up close to the line. So I think he's a, he's a cool guy to keep an eye on as well. Um, the turnaround that the 49ers have had over the last three seasons under Kyle Shanahan is fairly remarkable. And it feels a little bit like this might have just come one season early for them in that, that there are so many of their players who are rookies who are important this year or who are second-year players who are super important. And you just feel like, 
I don't. I. I mean, I, I haven't seen the stats on the average number of minutes played or the average number of snaps that winning Super Bowl teams have had. But it would be interesting to kind of compare if you can have that many young players on a team and actually be as successful as uh, San Francisco have been, and if that's. If this is the bit where they suddenly stray into deep water that they're not familiar with, their leader on the defense, um, Fred Warner, he's second year. He's calling the plays from the defense perspective. Um, obviously, we've talked about Debo Samuel, who has been a remarkable draft pick for them, considering their previous uh, second round receiver has been a complete bust. Dante mm. Pettis, who doesn't even get talked about, who is dressing at the moment, but I think is getting one snap per game. Uh, so you know they, they, they've had a lot of misses over the three seasons with there was some of their draft picks but the ones they've hit on have been absolute home runs yeah and we talked at the live show that there is elements of fortune here because 49ers were very much in the conversation for Antonio Brown this time last year before he took, went fully heel and um, that was a very doable deal if they managed to get the pieces together they obviously had that second round pick they decided to use it on both or second pick overall rather decided to use it on both so that was obviously a much better decision yeah I was like, there was Odell Beckham as well they were linked with yeah so and instead they backed and uh, I just said to you off air there that they did the senior bowl last year saw Debo Samuel just fell in love with him and he's their guy now and it was just a remarkable decision Trey Greenlaw was at the, the senior bowl last year as well and he's the guy who makes the tackle in Seattle on the goal line that prevents that fourth down from being a touchdown which yeah. gives them the home advantage for which gives them the bye to rest everybody up and gives them the home advantage for the, uh, the whole way through in the number one seed and that single tackle transforms their season to the point where they're very well rested everybody's pretty close to being fully fit um, Tevin Coleman obviously It's a fascinating coaching drill we mentioned it with Keane there but like it's 15 years since Andy Reid was at this stage of the season I think Dick Vermeil was the only one who's had a longer gap 19 years or something so 15 years for Reid and He's probably got Hall of Fame credentials already for, oh, yeah. for whatever sixth, Hall of Fame. Sixth winningest coach in history. Yeah. Um, but but the there is other, an element of pressure on him. Well, it's, totally, because the other five who are ahead of him all have Super Bowls. So that feels to me like this is all coming to Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes and the coronation of the new king of American sport. Because that's, that's what's on offer here for Patrick Mahomes. Like, mm. for anybody who's kind of unfamiliar with how this works, he's still on his rookie deal, which means that he's getting paid a fraction of what he's actually worth. So uh, this is year three of the Patrick Mahomes? Yeah, year three. Second so year as a starter. He sat the first year. Exactly. So they didn't get any value from him that year, except obviously they were doing exactly the right thing. So he's got one more year of his rookie deal, and then there's the fifth year option that they have because they took him in the first round. So essentially they have him under contract for the next two years at a cheap rate. I don't know. It could be 10 million a year probably. Um, but he's actually worth between... 40 and potentially 60 million a year mm. that's the level of contract that they might have to give him if he wins the Super Bowl Yeah, because he's, he's now so far ahead of yeah. every. I think Lamar might be a bit closer to him than people think and when they get the, the rest of the team around him that uh, he has at the moment uh, we'll see what, what that duel is like for the next couple of years The brinkmanship is really interesting because Dak Prescott is on the verge of signing a new deal or not as the news today was mm. this but he, he's going to sit if, um, if they franchise him Yeah because he if he gets paid now, he's going to be the highest paid quarterback 
in the league. But that only that will elicit a change where everyone else gets bumped up another little bit. So it's currently Russell Wilson, but if Prescott gets it, whoever's next up will get more than him. But these guys need to get their deals done after Patrick Mahomes because he's going to set the bar so high that it's going to you know rise. That rising tide will lift all boats. You know what I mean? In a way, you wonder if the Chiefs are actually better tying them in now because the new collective bargaining agreement is going to um, is kind of hurtling towards its conclusion, and who knows what the result of that is going to be. And uh, it will be very interesting to see what they do with them. So for him, on a personal level, there are tens of millions of dollars at play. The difference between being a Super Bowl winning quarterback who's carried the franchise through, who's recovered from uh, a kneecap, um, was it distended or dislocated earlier on in the season, to come back and play and go on one of the great all-time playoff runs from a quarterback who's in his third season, who's still effectively a kid, who's still learning how to be a full-time professional athlete. Um, you know his, his marketability is, is is off the charts. On the other side, then it would feel like this is the birth of something unbelievable in San Francisco because mm. because they're so young, because their their defense is um, still a bunch of rookies on their sorry a bunch of players still on their rookie contracts, and um, you know they will be a force for the next three or four seasons. They'll be a force as long as Kyle Shanahan stays there. Yeah. Um, they haven't responded very well as a franchise to losing Super Bowls in the past. This was the breakup of the the Harbaugh team was losing that and not winning the Super Bowl and him wanting to be paid like a Super Bowl winning coach. It seems like the ownership have matured since then and know exactly what they're doing and they obviously have long-term contracts in place. So it's a kind of hinge moment for both franchises. Yeah, and the way this game is going to go, when you compare the two sides, I do actually think the 49ers are way better. But so if you are picking the Chiefs, as many people are, if the line is anything to go by, you're you're backing Patrick Mahomes there. Yeah. And I actually think that's why I'm picking the Chiefs because when it all breaks down and it inevitably doesn't the Super Bowl, when does it ever go as predicted? Hardly ever. So I think the 49ers are just a little bit more finely tuned. There's a little bit of a domino effect where if something goes wrong, the system goes wrong. That's the nature of play action. You know, Jimmy Garoppolo can't stand back there and pick you apart in the same way Mahomes does. So the one thing, the only corollary to that is that he's brilliant in the uh, intermediate passing area. Obviously, there's been a few um, interceptions thrown to that general area, but ordinarily, gets the ball out so fast. Those little short, uh, you know, he throws short of the sticks all the time. With other with other systems, that's seen as like a complete disaster. But he'll throw the ball three yards there'll be three yards after the catch and they'll get six yards off those where he'll have the ball in his hands for less than two seconds and I actually think that if the run game falls apart San Francisco is still going to be in this game and I think he's good enough to get them into the game which is why I think the game's going to be close but ultimately I too would be picking the Chiefs because you look at the 49ers there's so much misdirection in their play they're trying to you know there's little quirks here and there wrinkles in their game the Chiefs not really like that. It's a, it's a spread offense. I and mean, you think back to this game, I think it was the first game of the 2017 season where it was Alex Smith uh, at the quarterback position and they destroyed the Patriots in New England. And there was nothing spectacular about what they were doing. They were just spreading out all these fast guys, finding the single coverage and going at it. And that's what's going to be this week. They're going to get all their, their fast guys out there. The Chiefs. Yeah. Yeah. Like that's not a, that's not a dramatically difficult system. If it all breaks down, Mahomes is just going to find somebody that's open. And I just think he's more capable of doing that. If Garoppolo's first couple of reads aren't there, he might panic. Like, it would be perfectly natural for someone to freeze in that kind of situation. Yeah, I think the, uh, like, uh, who's more likely to, to panic, I don't know. Well, like, You think it's going to be Garoppolo, but then 
the pressure and the weight of the entire city and the 50 years of history rests on the shoulders of a 23-year-old. With Jimmy Garoppolo, he has George Kittle to just feck it off to. Mm. Like, worst case scenario, where the hell is Kittle? Okay, double coverage. I don't care, George. <laughs> I've seen this before and you always catch it. And he does. So, And Debo. There's, there's two outlets there where they can be covered and they will still make catches. Yeah, and obviously the Joe Montana game and all that kind of stuff. But I don't think it quite occurred to me how much of a, a dart of success the Kansas City Chiefs have had. Like, Joe Buck is going to be calling this game the last time they were in the Super Bowl. His dad called it right. 50 years ago. I didn't realise that. So it's incredible. They're not one of these downtrodden franchises. or That's certainly what I would have associated with them. Like, the obviously, the Vikings, the Lions... The Browns. Yeah, the Browns are, I don't think, um, are deserved in the conversation of heartbreak that the oh. Kansas City Chiefs are. Um, the Browns are just like, they're, they're nowhere close to Mayo's level of heartbreak. <laughs> Two things I want to tell you about. A reminder, of course, American football and off the ball is brought to you in association with the Aer Lingus College Football Classic. That's uh, Navy versus Notre Dame. There's one of the balls at the Aviva Stadium on the 29th of August. Check out collegefootballireland.com. You can sign up for the latest updates there. But while you're signing up there, you should also sign up to offtheball.com forward slash club gridiron. Be part of our OTB American football hub where you'll get the latest news around all things gridiron, including the snap, our podcast and latest news and reports from the Irish American Football League, you can head over to offtheball.com forward slash club gridiron uh, for the details of that. And we're going to be bringing you some of the um, best highlights from grassroots American football here in Ireland and the latest coaching trends as well. And if you want to sign up for a uh, local team, they're all over the country and we'll give you details in the coming weeks of how to do that. I um, was supposed to also tell everybody about the party that's happening in the Odeon this week. There's a pair of tickets uh, for next year's Super Bowl up for grabs for everybody who shows up on the night, but you've got to get your tickets. You can check that out on Facebook. If you um, search Super Bowl party and the Odeon in Dublin, you'll find it. I mean, apologies for which of the teams that sent me the details that I said I would read out. I have completely forgotten which one, and I don't want to uh, give credit to the wrong one. So anyway... Um, the other thing that I was actually going to start the show with, uh, we're not doing our Super Bowl preview this week. We're actually going to be asking the question, is Tom Brady uh, self, uh, an attention-seeking narcissist, given that he tweeted this picture this morning? It reminded me a little bit of the, uh, this is the picture, no words around it, 130,000 likes and everybody got, ah, <laughs> to the point where Adam Schefter had to, I guess, ring Tom Brady or text him and go, is this about your contract? And apparently it's nothing to do with his contract. It might be something to do with some marketing thing. Who knows? TB12. Maybe it's Alex Guerrero selling us something. Who knows? Yeah. Something about Tom Brady, right? So beast mode, hanging up his cleats at halftime in the game a couple of years ago. Do you remember that? Mm-hmm. Attention seeking. Yeah, it's, it's not on. It's Jerry Jones' level of uh, narcissism. But Tom Brady, voracious winner, has won so much over the years. But I think, and you alluded to TB12, that's what this is about. This is, I can play till I'm 45 because my uh, regime is so spot on. And that's what he's selling. He's selling his brand now. I don't think he expects to go to wherever he goes, Tennessee. If he stays in New England, they're certainly not winning anything. If he goes to LA, it's a marketing ploy. Hang on, if he stays in New England? Yeah, they're not winning anything. Ah, come on, there's a really good team. Their defense is amazing. Nah. Add in any receivers. Give him anybody to throw the ball to. Say that about any quarterback, though. Not it's really. hilarious. It's like, give give a quarterback better receivers, he's going to be better. Marcus Mariota, uh, no. Um, I, I look, I, honestly, I, well, I, I mean, yes. Give give any quarterback, but look who he was throwing the ball to for the last two seasons. Yeah. Well, I was, wa- right. I was watching um, an old Aaron Rodgers interview with Bill Simmons from any given Wednesday. This show that oh, didn't, yeah, didn't last. Oh, yeah, it lasted about a week. Didn't last very long. And 
But he asked him, would he rather have an A minus offensive line and D minus receivers or vice versa? Oh, yeah. And Aaron Rodgers would take the offensive line all day long. Yeah. So a good quarterback's going to back themselves to, if they're protected well, to find the open guy. Tom Brady apparently needs uh, an all class receiver class now. I don't. Uh, but he's, he needs anybody who's any good. Mm. He needs them not to be trading away their best tight end to Seattle. And for all, Bill Belichick is the. The football whisperer, he can't identify wide receivers very well. No, he's pretty pretty useless at that. Like Nikhil Harry. We'll give him the benefit of the doubt. Rookie All the way year. back to Aaron Dobson is the one that I remember. He was a second rounder. That Chad Ochocinco against the Giants. Well, look, I think at least with him, it's kind of some outlet who you're, you're kind of going, come on, you've done this before. On reputation alone, we hope that they're going to mark you up, but it turned out they didn't have to. And then they had Randy Moss, this all-world wide receiver, and decided, ah, we're going to go the Yapstam route here and get rid of him in his prime. Yeah, they definitely didn't need to do that. They needed to pay them. But look, Wes Welker um, on the sideline this Might week. Might win a Super Bowl this week. On the sideline this week. That was one of those um, off-season where they hired him and they hired one of the ex-Dallas receivers as well just to work in the receiver room. Because at the start of the year, everybody was saying the San Francisco 49ers have nobody to throw the ball to. Their wide receiver core is absolutely useless. And if you take Debo Samuel out, their wide receiver core was completely useless. They added in Emmanuel Sanders midway, midway through the season. But like after that, slim pickings, Kendrick Bourne. Sanders is quality though. Sanders is quality. Blue chip player. If if he's if his numbers called this weekend, you can rely on him. Second best quarterback on the on the team. <laughs> yeah. Do you think that's going to come into play? Oh, absolutely. Like when we were talking Nick Foles, and the um, comparisons. So when Keane was talking about the Eagles team and Nick Foles being able to carry them and play the best game, it was interesting that the key play in the game, they took the ball out of his hands and they went, "You just go run over there and catch it." go and catch the ball just open your hands and catch the ball mm. don't feck it up and he was able to do that so um, yeah I think there's a lot of trickery I think um, I, don't, I don't know what type of game it's going to be I really hope it's not the same as last year because like last year it looked like it was, it was all set up to be a classic yeah. Sean McVay's team were rolling that offence was great with, I, I just, maybe we'd, we'd forgotten or underplayed the fact that their best running back has arthritis in his knee um, but this year, everybody's playing well. Tevin Coleman's injury, I think, is going to be okay. They'll strap him up and they'll jab him with enough drugs to make sure that he you know, thinks he's on Mars. And that's a, enough to get him through four hours of a Super Bowl. Yeah, and we, I don't think anyone thought Mostert would be a, a talking point going into this uh, Super Bowl. But after that, uh, remarkable performance in the championship game. But because it's such a systems-based approach from the 49ers he might touch the ball a couple of times this week I think it could um, be any running back I, so I, I, I think that's overplayed a bit to be honest I think that whoever's going well gets it because Breida at the start of the season was going well and he was getting it and then Coleman got fit and it was like okay you're at, we actually think you're better and then Mostert was getting everything. He doesn't get the first one, mm. but he always got every, the bulk of it when he was fully fit. Um, he missed the game through injury. There was a little bit kind of, and then Coleman came back and played really well. The system is outstanding. Breida fumbled at the end of the game when the game was already over and has barely been seen since. Like I think two carries yeah. in the last two games. So I would, I'd be amazed if everything doesn't. Coleman gets the first one. They test out his shoulder, see if it's okay, so that then he can be on the field as a receiver if they need him to be. But I think it's going to be Mostert running the ball down the throat. Well, I do think if it's a Todd Gurley situation where for whatever reason he doesn't hit his straps early on, it's very much a drag and drop system for the 49ers. The next guy up is just going to be put in to run the exact same plays. Yeah. And Mostert, if you look at his touchdowns, was basically untouched for all of them. It's scheme in such a way where he gets a clear run and we all know he ran that I think a 4.2 in Purdue, like 
obscene uh, quickness. And it, like people wonder, is it seven teams he's been on now? Yeah. He's cut six times or something. But he, it's not as if, oh, how did everyone miss this guy? Like it's Kyle Shannon deserves enormous credit for turning him into what he is because he's not a huge running back under 200 pounds when he was came into the league, uh, but he's got that unbelievable quickness. And if you can get him a clear lane, you're not catching him. Yeah, I think he's probably. I think probably the education of working on this, uh, different players respond to it in different ways. And if you can sit in a classroom mm. for the hours and hours and hours that they do, and then go, okay, I understand exactly that when the offensive line is going this way. I'm going to go that way first and break at precisely the right moment. And that's where the lane opens up. Like there's a, a science to, there's a weird balletic beauty to what the 49ers offensive line are doing. When when you see the breakdowns afterwards, I don't know if you see uh, Baldy's breakdowns on. Oh yeah. Yeah, I mean, that stuff is like, okay, I begin to understand exactly why so many people spend so much time uh, on the intricacies of the offensive line play because if everybody does what they're supposed to do and they all move in concert you have like several tons of force moving people out of the way and everybody's going oh there's a bomb happening there it is a bit like Guernica and uh, and if if the running back has a, a coolness about him then all he has to do is hit that one gap and because you're going one way and everybody else going the other there's no way they're going to catch it mm. That would be my concern if I was a 49ers fan, that it's so entwined, it's so reliant on these systems going well. And as I said earlier, the, the opposition aren't quite as reliant on that. They actually, a bit of freelancing isn't the worst thing in the world. If this game breaks down into backyard football, I think Andy really would be just fine with that. You've got some prop bets for us? Well, this uh, Super Bowl halftime show, we've, we've got back from the irredeemable dross of Marin 5 last year. So it's Shakira and Jennifer Lopez, which oh, yeah. I think is very solid. Unbelievable value here. Jenny from the block, 12 to 1 to be Jennifer Lopez's first song. I, I think that's remarkable value. Um, hello? It, it, I mean, her first song, her first solo song, because presumably it'll be medley bollocks. Well, I think they're going to take it in turns, maybe do a couple of covers. Right. But we, we just don't know. This is unprecedented territory, Jerry. You don't really see this, these double acts that much. They're going to do Will Smith's Welcome to Miami, aren't they? There's a, there's a prop bets elsewhere on whether Will Smith will turn up for a bit of a cameo. There always is a cameo, so yeah. it wouldn't be a bad idea. Um, how long will Demi Lovato take to sing the national anthem? This is always a good one. Over two minutes, four to 11. All right. Uh, That's quite long, isn't it? I, I don't know. I think Did they not horse through it now? Is there not like a... No. I don't know. I never actually watched the... Oh, really? No. The anthem or the halftime show? The anthem. And the halftime show, I kind of tend to like... Depends I'll, who it is, though. Well, I'll pause a good bit in the first half and then fast forward through it. Well, Maroon 5 took the one that nobody wanted to take last year because it was a bit of a bad PR and uh, the NFL last year. And I think Jay-Z was supposed to do it and he said that would probably wouldn't be the best idea. Oh, but Jay-Z's in bed with him, so I like yeah. Yeah. On that On that topic, uh, Colin Kaepernick to appear in a Nike ad during the Super Bowl, it would be a good, oh, yeah. good ploy. What's the ads? Uh, so we're talking 6-1 to one for that to happen. That's decent odds. I think that could very well happen. So, um, oh, there's so many uh, prop bets on Gatorade. What colour will the yeah. Gatorade be? No, thanks. Stay away will from the, that. Will the ball hit the upright? The, all the stuff. Whatever you want, if you, you can get it priced up, don't worry about it. Yeah. But what's the, who's going to win the game, Jerry? That's the uh, look, I think um, the most likely outcome is that Patrick Mahomes is crowned the best athlete in American sport. Um, but obviously, the one that I want as a 49ers fan is for us to crush them. Yeah. 
But if you're trying to sell this to your non-NFL loving uh, friend, you're saying, just look at Patrick Mahomes. Look him up on YouTube there. Yeah. And but also, the 49ers defense is sensational. Yeah. Like Nick Bosa, D Ford, the two twin towers in the middle. Can and there D will be a lot of fights. Can D Ford deny the Kansas City Chiefs two years in a row? I mean, that would be the sweetest. So, yeah, the, the America's game is D Ford, George Kittle, and maybe Richard Sherman. Yeah. Maybe Richard Chiba Sherman. Samuel. Who, uh, like, well, the, the America's game is going to be unbelievable. The 30 for 30 on the the Legion of Boom and what's gone on since is going to be remarkable as well. But Richard Sherman deserves an awful lot of credit. Talk about backing yourself with his yeah. contract negotiations. He went in there Paul Scholes style with no agent and said, right, I want a benefit-driven contract if I hit these goals. And they were like, yeah, happy days. You're, yeah. We're not going to get to the Super Bowl anytime soon. And now he's been... I think they, see, I think they, they, they knew that and they were backing him as well. It was like yeah. the perfect marriage of like cockiness and attitude. And um, there's, far more, there's far more amazing stories around the 49ers if they win, as opposed to Tyreek Hill and you know his troubled past. But uh, Sher Sherman is a, a classic case of fake it till you make it. He was talking a big game long before he was ever uh, a top player. Then he was all pro, playing at a really good level. Then he did his um, Achilles. Mm, but, and, uh, but the last couple of years in Seattle and his first uh, little stint in San Francisco, his profile had almost overtaken his play, but that's totally reversed now where he's back playing at an all-pro level. And I think he can go on And Darrell Reeves is, is very jealous. Yeah, yeah, and rightly so. I think because he, he, his game was never based on pace, so he could actually go on, he could be one of those guys who plays these 36-37 and has a, a completely legendary second act and becomes as synonymous with the 49ers as he is with the Seahawks. At the moment, he's in there for his Seahawks play, but I think if they were to win and he sticks around for another couple of seasons, which I think he probably will, then it'll be like, oh, was he a Seahawk or was he a Niner? happy to steal that. Hmm. Uh, right, that is it this week. Are you done? Yeah, I'm going to pick the Chiefs. I said 10 points last week. I'm going to whittle that down a little bit. But I think the Chiefs will, will get the job done. All right. Uh, I hope you're wrong. But uh, either way, there'll be analysis and reaction on Monday morning's OTBAM. And of course, we'll be back here next week with The Snap. It's your weekly American football show. We cover everything from the NFL to college football to the local game here in Ireland. And it's all brought to you in association with the Erlingers College Football Classic. This year, it's Navy against Notre Dame at the Aviva Stadium on the 29th of August. You can go to collegefootballireland.com to sign up for the latest updates. And we'll have some updates over the next week or so as uh, some of the um, ESPN folk are in town to talk about that game. So we'll be talking to them as well about the very next college game day, which is going to be the one that happens in Dublin in uh, in August. Wherever you're watching the Super Bowl, enjoy it. Um, it's very late. It's a very late kickoff, so it's marathon, not a sprint. Don't be getting too liquored up too early. We've all done that. You fall asleep and you don't remember what happened and you actually end up missing one of the great sports occasions of the year. So you want to pace yourself nicely. Are you in here Monday morning? I am, yeah. <sighs> yeah. yeah. Win or lose? Oh, yeah, totally. It's work. Got to go to work. I didn't take the. I took the day off last year. It was like it was pointless. But just. your team weren't in it last year. I know, I know. But um, now I'm coming in. Going to present OTBM. I'll be here, bright-eyed and bushy-tailed, bit bleary-eyed, hmm. maybe half asleep, but uh, at half seven on Monday morning. And I'll see you then. Enjoy the game. Best of luck.